Welcome to Higher State of Being, our bi-monthly podcast about how you can live your best life. I'm Kat Cogren. And I'm Teddy Rockland, certified clinical hypnotherapist and registered psychotherapist. Together, we're going to explore topics that we all care about, like how to improve sleep, how to reduce anxiety, and how to have healthier relationships. We will be inviting expert guests to share their professional knowledge on each of these fascinating topics and so much more. At the end of each episode, we'll post a guided meditation so that you can reinforce the techniques and strategies that we've discussed. Each podcast, together with the associated guided meditation, will help you live your life more fully and reach a higher state of being. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Higher State of Being. I'm Kat Cogren, one of your hosts today. And of course, with me, as always, is the lovely and talented Miss Teddy Rockland. How are you today, Teddy? I'm really good. I'm really good. So here we are already improvising, improvising. It's a little flub. Let's not get caught up and worry about it. So our topic today is going to be improvising your life. And uh, I am very, very excited to introduce a, a friend and professional colleague of mine, Michael Vargas. Uh, he uh, and I met quite a while ago doing improvisational comedy in San Diego. And uh, when we decided, Kat, that you and I were going to be doing this topic today, I thought there is no one I would rather have on this show than Michael. So Michael, uh, welcome. Um, in addition to being an improvisational comedian, can you share with our listeners some of the other uh, other credentials that you might have or why you're here today? Sure. And I uh, just want to say thank you, you two, for having me here. Um, I really appreciate it. And, and I think there's a lot of great things to talk about regarding how improv can be a big part of our lives. And I guess what got me started was, um, oddly enough, it was really through martial arts. So I think that that's really the beginning of all of this that leads me here to speak with you all where when I was a young kid in New York, uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of confidence. And so my parents, they put me into martial arts. And I remember the, the first day just sitting on the bench, watching everyone yelling, screaming, kicking one another, punching one another. And I thought that this was a really scary place to be. And then I started immediately judging it. Oh, this is stupid. Those people are dumb. They're, they're worse. <laughs> uh, but once I got into it, it was the most encouraging environment I have ever been in my entire life. Everyone was just pushing each other to do more, to do better. And when we made mistakes, it was like nothing. It was as if though it didn't matter and that all that matters is that you keep going. Everyone was so kind, so supportive. And it was the, the most supportive environment and the safest I ever felt to be myself. And I knew there was something to this environment. And again, this was the first time I ever experienced an environment like that. Years later, I ended up finding another environment, which was improv. It was kind of a accidental find. And it was a similar thing of people just supporting each other and having fun and being playful and making mistakes and being okay and, and being who we are. And I think during that time, it really helped me uh, find my voice. So I, I've been doing improv for about 16 years and many years into it, uh, I realized that this, is, this type of environment is something that's really important to me. And so I try to think, where else can I learn more about creating safe environments, supportive environments? How else could I help people feel more comfortable with who they are? And I earned a master's degree in clinical psychology. I moved out to San Francisco and I started working at a residential facility for mental health. These were people who had schizophrenia, bipolar, PTSD, 90 day treatment to get them the support that they needed. And so it was really about creating an environment where people felt supportive and safe, especially because a lot of those people went through things that many of us can never fully understand. During that time, I, I was also teaching at an improv theater company. 
And I was, it was just so much fun getting to teach people who had never done improv before. From there, there was people asking me, hey, you know, we feel during this time that we're really opening up. We're really connecting. We're really working with one another. And we want you to bring this to our workplace. So I was like, okay. And one of the first organizations I got to work with was Dropbox. And then Kaiser Permanente, Salesforce. And so I started basically going in that direction. And what I do now is I use improv along with a variety of other tools to help people really collaborate in the workplace. So that's kind of what led me there. And that what leads me to here today. That's awesome. You know, I'll I'll piggyback on that. I'm a theater major and I obviously did a lot of improv in school. And I find that that is probably one of the most significant tools I have now as a professional is being able to improv with a new client, a customer, a coworker. And yes, and all the time comes up uh, and it's just so much more collaborative. So that's just one reason why we're discussing this. But Teddy, I want you to unpack it a little bit more on why we chose Improvise Your Life as a topic for today's podcast. Hmm. If we were in an improvisational room right now, I would say, I'm going to piggyback on you. And then I would like pretend to jump on your back because I'm going to piggyback <laughs> on you right now. Um, it comes up in my work as well. Uh, I've been asked before, how do you prepare for a session? How do you know what you're going to say when you're doing what I call the chair time, the hypnotherapeutic work? And how do you respond to these things? And I, I think... I can't really prepare for these because I'm dealing with human beings. So every time they walk in the door, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what's happened in their past week. I need to be able to think on my feet, to be very present with them and what they're presenting for me to respond to. Um, So it's got this, this wonderful way of being improvisational at work. And of course, Michael, you were talking about in the corporate world, in the, the mental health realm, it's, it just has so many applications. This ability to improv your life allows you to not necessarily get spooked when things don't go the way that you thought they were going to. And in some ways it helps alleviate that fear of the unknown, Kat, as we've talked about in several of our podcasts mm-hmm. before, that the only thing we fear is the unknown. And when you practice in your playtime, going deliberately toward the unknown in a, in, a, in a playful, engaging, curious kind of way. It can help alleviate that fear in areas where it's not necessarily playtime, but you're not so afraid of, uh, of the unexpected anymore. I find it an incredibly valuable tool in all of the aspects of my life and my clients' lives as well. Yeah, and I'd like to piggyback off of that where the, one, of the, one of the things that improv really helped me have is uh, help me find my voice, right? And so being in, in a lot of environments where I didn't feel really comfortable to, to share, really comfortable to not speak up, improv allowed me to understand that what I have to say is okay. And, you know, I'm not gonna, life isn't gonna end because I say something that other people might not get or disagree with. Um, so it really helped me feel more confident and helped me find my voice as well. Awesome. Well, I want to I want to give our listeners the definition. I I found this really interesting. Um, improvisation is the activity of making or doing something not planned beforehand using whatever can be found. Right. That's the actual you know dictionary.com definition. And I thought you know we we think of improv as you know theater and comedy, even music. You know improvisational jazz, one of my favorite genres. But it's also used in the arts, other arts, and in engineering and in business applications, just like you were talking about, you know, you actually have a business out of teaching improv at corporations, Michael. So I I just really love that definition. It's the activity of making or doing something not planned beforehand using whatever can be found. And I think to, to both of you all's point, that is such a great way to be ready, practice it, be ready for whatever life hands you because... We all know things don't always go as planned. Right? Sure, <laughs> we talk sure. about that a lot in our podcasts. Of course. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about how we use improv as a tool and as a, a plaything, even however you guys wanted to kind of unpack this. Um, but you know, how is it used? What are some guidelines and, 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 and things like that that we can give our listeners? 
Yeah, one of the things about improv is people think, oh, you know, it's just 100%, like you just go and figure it out. Uh, but when people are performing improv, they actually practice quite a bit. And it's like, what, you practice? How do you practice improv? What is that, an oxymoron? <laughs> um, and in a sense, yeah, but there are some guidelines that help create a really powerful experience. And one of those that I think is really beautiful is concept of yes and. And it's a simple idea where the, 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 the basic understanding is whatever someone says, I agree to it and I build off of it, right? So I'm agreeing with what someone says and I'm gonna add something to it to keep it moving forward and build off of what was there. And there's a lot of great applications of that in life, especially when we're brainstorming, when we're, when we're having conversation, just even conversation, just having a dialogue. And I think there's also a, a, a deeper level to it that this can really teach us. When we're in an improv scene, yes and the concept of it, at least in my opinion and, and several others, it's not necessarily about saying yes or no. This is Improv 102. It's not yes or no. It's about accepting the reality that has been created. So for example, Thank you. If, say, if I say, Teddy, your shirt is green, and then Teddy goes, no, it's red. Teddy's kind of denying the reality of it. And so the question is, is where else does that show up in life then, since we're mm -hmm. talking about how improv can relate to life? Well, yes, and is about us, at least I feel, is that it's about us being able to accept the reality of our lives. What is actually happening in our lives rather than to deny it, rather than to shove it away, but to embrace what is going on in our life? That's the yes part. The and part is then what do we do about it? What can we do based off of the reality of what's happening in the moment. And so that's a very, I think, powerful guideline that improv uses that we could apply every day of, okay, what's going on and what can I do about it? All right, and let's go down that path just a little bit in an improvisational way. So Teddy, your what? shirt is red. You're wearing a red shirt today. You know what? It's red now. Yesterday it wasn't red. Yesterday it was white, but my daughter threw it in the laundry with some like a whole bunch of color things. And so we had to have quite the little talk about that. Remember when you were telling me how badly your daughter messed up recently, Michael? Yeah, she, um, what she did was she took a whole bucket, a whole bucket of blue paint and just kind of put it all over a rug. But what was nice about it is that we spread it out and we now have a really nice blue rug. It's crunchy, <laughs> which is kind of fun. So some realities. <laughs> yes. In fact, I am wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> I know. I was giving you red. I loved how I you went with it. So, so yeah. So let's move on. Sorry, I just wanted to kind of give our listeners a little example of of a yes and scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I make sure, there's there, one of my favorite stories of yes and is um, we were doing this scene with a group of people. It was it was Christmas themed. And there's a woman who stepped out and goes, okay, uh, all 11 reindeer. And she's like, wait, wait, no, 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 I meant, I meant 12 reindeer. And we go, no, we're talking about 11 reindeer. And so we accepted that new reality that she created. And the whole story became about the missing reindeer. And it was such a fun, interesting mystery of a story mm -hmm. that got created because we accepted the new reality that she created. Right, we could have easily said no, it's twelve, and then just stop it there. What we did was we guessed what she said, that reality that she created, and then we built off of that. So I think that's a really fun example, at least in a um, where yes and can can really come out and create something interesting. Right. So well, that mean, kind of transitions to some other guidelines of improv, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. So another great um, guideline is make your partner look good, right? Make your partner look good. So uh, I, an example I like to give is, let's say I'm doing a really weird Elaine Bennis dance 
<laughs> and I don't really even know what I'm doing. What my partner can do is come up to them and say, you know what? You have now won first place in the dance contest. There's a lot of times when I think one of the, the elements of making your partner look good is really about the idea of support, truly supporting the people that we're with. And there's going to be a lot of people, I mean, all of us who find ourselves in places where we don't know what's going on. We feel insecure. We feel ignorant. We feel less than. And one of the cool things about improv, and I think what we can do for people in our lives that we care about is in those moments of we're stumbling and unsure, how can we be there to support the people we care about, right? And so we can constantly make them look good and just give them the support that they need. And if we do that and they do that to us, then everyone's gonna get taken care of. Right, so in a, that would be very important in like a collaborative team that's a, starting on a new project or you know, a lot of times there's these competing agendas. Oh, I want to make myself look good so that I get the promotion or whatever. And that really hurts the overall team because all of a sudden you're not making your partners look good and things start to fall apart. Is that kind of another way of looking at this from a maybe a business setting or any sort of collaboration? Yeah, 100%. A lot of times what I do is I try to start off with one of the ways I start off with team is looking at what are we trying to create here? And so to, to attach what we're trying to work on as something bigger than ourselves. And so if we focus on something that's bigger than ourselves, then it's not about I, but it's about us and we. What can we do to make this vision become a reality? How can we support one another? Because we're not perfect. We all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. We can only see so much so the more that we can support one another, the more that we have each other's voice and, and get to help one another, the more likely we are able to create and work on that thing that's bigger than ourselves. Uh, so that's definitely a tenet of, of when teams are working together, when they're collaborating, what can I do to help my other team members look good, make sure they're helping me look good so that we all look way better than we could by ourselves. And this thing that we created is, is moving forward in a way that we couldn't even imagine because it's individuals. But when we're the collective and we support one another, magic can really happen. Yeah, the proverbial, the sum is greater than its parts, right? Love it. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. And there's more, right? Some guidelines? Yeah, so yeah, so the, I, there's generally three guidelines. Um, the last one is, is um, being spontaneous, right? And, and I like to also say it's about coming from a place of your truth. So with that, when we're creating, a lot of times what stifles creativity, what stifles ideas, is this sense of judgment. This sense of, uh, that's that's probably a really dumb idea. So I'm not going to say anything. You know what? That idea probably won't work. Um, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to uh, raise any issues. So I'm going to be quiet. And again, when working in in groups with people, and I even think in relationships, a lot of times we we stifle ourselves. We pull ourselves back from being open and honest. So this idea of come from a place of your truth to be spontaneous is to start trusting that what you're going to say or do is something that is going to be of support to the group. And it allows for creativity to really come out. And when we can have trust and we can feel safe with the people that we have, then we can create more ideas and then we can support each other with ideas. That doesn't necessarily mean at that moment, let's say if you're working at business, that you're going to execute on those ideas. But when we're talking about creativity, creativity and innovation and coming up with something new and trying to do better, there's a place of just get it all out. Any idea is a great idea. And then we later on, we can find what ideas work. 
But a lot of times people don't feel safe enough to do that. They don't feel safe enough to come from a place of their truth. So one of the great tenets of improv is to help build that safety, allow people to come from their truth. Let's explore these ideas and again, start to move and create things beyond what we originally imagined was possible. Right, and I love that. Yeah, the yes and lets you explore all those crazy ideas without any judgment or threat. And then eventually you can narrow down on something that seems much more plausible, realistic, and has, you know, the legs, as we like to say, but that's, that's great. If, but if you judge it and don't allow for that safety and you don't allow for your partner looking good, it's not going to go anywhere. And you gotta, and, and you gotta own that yourself too. I mean, you gotta be willing to put it out there and not hold back spontaneity. Absolutely. I mean, so I think this idea of coming from your truth, being able to share your ideas, being spontaneous, uh, there's a, a big part of feeling psychological safety with it. And in a study that Google did when they checked out 180 of their own teams, they looked at the highest performing teams and they're like, what are these elements that are creating that? The top, there's five main components, but the number one was psychological safety. And when they saw when these higher performing teams had the psychological safety along with the other components, there was less turnover, there was more creativity, there was more risk taking, and there was a much more collaboration and they were getting more things done. So this isn't just a simple concept of like, oh, you know, we wanna create a space for people to speak. It's like, no, if you wanna create a higher performing team, there's a lot of research out there that if they're not able to feel spontaneous that they can share their thoughts, why would they want to be there? They're going to start looking for a place where they can share their ideas. Right, right. And I think we're going to get more to that in a minute. But I want to help our listeners connect with that improv that they might not even know they've been doing their whole lives. Um, Teddy, yes. tell, us, tell us a little bit about where improv shows up for us and we don't even know it. Parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> um, of course, the, the first thing that came to mind was thinking about when we were children, as children. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's still like this anymore, but back in the day, what would happen is you weren't expecting it. There'd be a knock on the door. And one of the neighbor kids was knocking on the door and saying, we're going to play kickball and we need one more. Can you come out? Well, yeah. And that whole play realm is, is this room for improv. There's not a whole lot of scripting going on. The, the playing with Barbies and G.I. Joe or or any of the, the things that kids just do. Uh, it's Make a very responsive way of approaching life before you learn that there's supposed to be this pattern and this is what we always do. There's, there's just this ability to flow with the, I wasn't expecting that, but this is what's happening now. Okay, this is what's happening now. And it doesn't tend to be until we get a little bit older when we start to have a little bit of the pushback. Uh, like we talked about in the scarf model with that. No, what about my autonomy? What about my self-authority? But before that, we just kind of roll with it. We, we just go with what we're doing. And of course, as parents, we can't know what to expect. We can try to set patterns and standards the best that we can, but things are going to come up that we weren't expecting. Conversations, funny little comments are going to happen. Um, therapeutically, I really like how these, uh, these guidelines that you were offering, uh, Michael, for the improvisation come up in a therapeutic process. Because as we've discussed, the only thing we fear is the unknown, yes, and the opposite of stress is options. So the yes and, what's the reality that we're dealing with here? Okay, here's the reality we're dealing with right now. And here's all the options. And we're not gonna negate, there's no room for mistake. There's no room for judgment. We're not gonna negate all of the possible ideas. Well, have you thought maybe about buying an elephant and just taking off on an elephant? Okay, it's an option that we're probably not going to do, but allowing for the possibility of the reality that you're dealing with, even if you don't completely like it, there's going to be room for possibility. There's going to be all of that opportunity for the yes and. And if you have someone therapeutic or a good friend or a good colleague that will yes and create options and possibilities with you, rather than negate or put you down or try to be competitive, it opens up all of these possibilities, all of these opportunities for you to feel like you have some control in your life without having to be controlling in it. So it's a, a, a liberating 
place to be. It's incredibly freeing, but I particularly like this idea about, about the kids and just playing, not having to take everything so seriously all the time. Oh, I know. I used to make up wild stories for my younger brothers and sisters, like every night after our parents thought we were asleep. I get in in you know, snuggle up with them in their room and just tell this amazing far-fetched tale and I have no idea where it came from. It was my favorite thing and my younger siblings loved it. We still joke about it to this day. Hey, wonder what mind man's doing today, you know, as adults. <laughs> refer to all those characters that we created as kids. Mm. So much fun. Michael, where do you see improv showing up just randomly in people's lives? What, what are some thoughts you have on that? Just everyday interactions. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm very fortunate where I get to work with CEOs and leadership. And I try to, when I first have conversation with them, is just to be a little improvisational to have a little fun in the beginning, to kind of hear about their life and, and get to yes and some of their ideas of what we talk about with life and you know get excited about the things that excited about and just connect with them as a person, right? We're gonna get to do a lot of work together and a lot of serious stuff, but let's connect as people. Like people first, in my opinion, those are the type of, that's the type of business that I only try to do is ones where I relationships with people that I actually enjoy having relationships with. And I think getting to use some of the tools of improv can help facilitate that feeling of, okay, we're people, we're not perfect. And we can fully accept that. And, and we're excited about creating this thing together and let's figure it out together. And I think that's like a, that's like a big part of it. Um, and with my friends, I mean, you know, I get to go well minus this year, but I get to travel with, um, there's sometimes 20 to 25 of us that go on vacation every year. And we are just playing with one another. We're having fun. We're being silly. We're supporting one another. And I think having that spirit in relationships, at least for me, helps it feel so much more loving and caring because we're being playful. And so mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a lot of where it comes from, at least for me, is that it helped me feel much more comfortable in, in, the friendships and relationships that I have and, and knowing that, okay, there are other people out there that are also very playful and fun and we can also get stuff done too. Um, so I think that's a big part. So that kind of brings us to our very next topic here is the benefits. What are the benefits of you know, living and, and even practicing, you know, like you guys, both of you guys practice improv uh, as part of your skill building life. What are some of the other benefits besides just this connectedness with others and, and creating this more collaborative environment that you guys have seen in, in what you do in your work? Michael? So one of the, the, the biggest thing I did a little bit earlier is that it helped me find my voice, right? It helped me be okay with what I have to say. Not that I'm a genius, not that I'm perfect by any means necessary, but it helped me feel comfortable speaking up, speaking to people, speaking with people. I think that was, that was one of the big benefits, again, is helping me find my voice. And, you know, when I, so I used to teach level one improv. So it was a six weeks class. We would meet three hours a week. And I, I just felt like I was lucky one in that class because I, the things that I got to see and people would come for a variety of reasons. And we would always announce that in class. So going one by one, like, what brings you here? What are you hoping to get out of it? People would talk about so many things. Um, I want to feel less anxious. I want to have more play in my life. I want to get out of my head. I want to create a community. I want to be a better speaker. I want to be a better actor. I want to be a better problem solver. I just want to have fun. I want to build community. And people would say all these different things. And by the end of it, even though everyone went through the same experience, everyone got something different out of it because of what they were actually looking for, the, the, the richness that improv has to offer. I'm not saying improv everything, you know, but <laughs> improv is definitely a rich source of how we can be ourselves, have other people be themselves, and how can we be ourselves together. Right. So creativity, community, 
playfulness from, you know, like going back to being a kid and remembering and, and playing again. I think that's so important. And then finding your voice, being able to trust your partner and yourself to speak up. I think that's really powerful. And Teddy, I'm going to kick this one to you because I see, I see something here that takes us back to our very first podcast. Sure. On sure. The neuroplasticity effect. Yeah. This, uh, if, if we always do what we've always done, we won't necessarily recognize that these other options are available. But if in a, a safe, as Michael was describing, a safe, supportive, mutually beneficial environment where the intention is to have this, uh, this community of people who are going to be encouraging outside the box thinking, uh, it not only takes you outside the box, but it also takes you off that same exact neural pathway that you've always done. So as you're allowing yourself to have these regular experiences, these safe experiences of yes, and here's something different. Yes, and here's another option. It lays these pathways in your brain. So the next time you're stumped or you don't know what to do, or you really, what you always did before isn't working for you your brain is already adapted to the reality of yes, and I can do this. Yes, and a supportive community is available. Yes, and there's options, there's possibility, there's hope, whatever it is that you're needing to be going toward, your brain has already acclimated itself to that being a possibility and even a likelihood. Mm -hmm. So if we practice this in a serious environment right so whether we practice it just one of us ourselves and kind of Pause. keeping our yeah it got really choppy so that's probably going to be in the recording if you can go back to that thought and say it again it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work on the recording got it so we'll Thank pick you. it up here okay so if we practice this improvisational you know mindset whether it's in a group of uh, officially in a group like what you teach michael or even just kind of building that mindset, uh, adding those guidelines as kind of a, a principle to your life. And we do that in the non-threatening, non-serious environments. When we have to deal with the heavy stuff, we're kind of a little more prepared. Is that what I'm hearing you say, Teddy? Uh, yes, and. <laughs> yes, and. Um, you and I have discussed this, uh, this privately before that uh, one of the challenges to doing therapeutic work, one of the challenges to being a professional counselor or therapist is people will bring to you their heavy stuff, their sad stuff, their shame, their, their disappointment, their betrayal, and they'll lay it out before you um, in an attempt to you know, get, get some help, get some help processing through this. And it's a privilege to be trusted in that way. And at the end of the day, it can feel exhausting. So to have uh, an environment where, okay, all of this has been very, very heavy, and now I'm going to go to this place where the full intention of everyone in the room is to be light. It's, uh, it's really valuable to consider the possibility of not all of your adult interactions need to be uh, a heaviness or a seriousness or an austerity or direction toward. Sometimes it's really valuable to have healthy playmates, and mm -hmm. it doesn't need to involve any kind of drugs and it doesn't need to involve any kind of alcohol and it doesn't need to involve any of these externalized things. It's simply letting yourself be in an environment where it's not a crisis situation. There's no huge problems to be solved. If the shirt is blue or green or red, really what difference does it make? Let's just play and have some fun. So this, this uh, ability to give yourself permission to come out of the the weightiness of, of what some people might perceive day-to-day -day life to be and just have some playful break time. Really awesome. helpful, very valuable. Yeah, no, I think we don't, uh, we don't give that playfulness enough credit mm -hmm. in our lives for sure, especially- More playmates, uh, less bitch yeah. buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So let's, let's clear up some of the myths about improv, right? There's, yeah, I think we all have perceived, you know, preconceived ideas. Um, you know, like we think about comedy, we talked about all this earlier as we kicked the podcast off, but there's some, there's some, some bigger myths out there that, you know, you've discovered Michael in, in your work. Can you kind of give us a breakdown of those? Totally. Whenever I, you know, when I was teaching it very heavily and I would say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm teaching, would you like to join the look of horror 
on people's faces was amazing. It, and it was so consistent, right? Me? <laughs> I'm not creative enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not witty enough. No, no, no. This isn't for me. And <laughs> I totally get it, right? Because people's impression of what improv is, which this is a, a true element of it, is whose line is it anyway? Right. We have these people who are amazing artists and creative individuals coming up with these elaborate things on the spot. And so it can feel really intimidating. And the amount of rehearsal and practice and dedication those people had to have before they got to that is insane, right? Like just like any athlete, just like any uh, classical musician, um, anyone who's very high caliber in what they do, it takes a little time and practice. So this idea of you having to be funny, you have to be witty, you have to be quick, you have to be all those things is not really true, especially in the beginning. So I think sometimes you, you do have some bad teachers or not bad teachers, but you have teachers who kind of throw their students into the fire in the beginning. And I think that could be a little bit, make things a little challenging. Uh, what I would focus on is we're just gonna play some games that are really simple and easy for you to do. Very easy, it's, you have a good user experience with these games. And these are just simple games you just kind of walk through. So one of them is, we would call it red ball, green ball. And you have a pretend ball in your hand, you would toss it to someone else, then they would toss it to someone else, and you're using your imagination and you're collaborating. And then the game is you keep adding a whole bunch of balls and then it gets crazy and chaotic and, and everyone's laughing hysterically. That is something that's really simple and easy to do that we all did when we were kids, bringing back to what Teddy was saying earlier. We were all kids, we all use our imagination, we were all very playful. So these things of when you step, start stepping into improv, you already did it, you already did it. Now it's time to just bring it out, bring out that old chest or that old dusty chest open it up and bring back that imagination that you used to Yeah, have. all those costumes so, in that box. Yeah. All those costumes. <laughs> yeah, and then you have your characters and you can bring out the characters and you can have fun with them and then you just create whatever you want. It's a lovely life, darling, let me tell you. And then you just move on. So this idea of witty and funny, you don't have to be that to actually start playing improv. So that's, I think, a really big one right there. Right. Yeah. No. We had talked earlier, we touched on, you know, creating a safe space. And I think a lot of people feel, oh, I'm going to go into this situation and I'm just going to get attacked, right? But that's really not the case either. Improv is all about creating boundaries and safe spaces, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what strong uh, teachers and improv improvisational uh, uh, professionals do, especially in the beginning, is create a space of safety. Right, so in this space, there's no hate speech. In this space, there's no derogatory marks. In this space, we wanna create an environment where people do feel safe enough to speak out. And I think that's generally life where, you know, there's a freedom of speech, but we don't wanna necessarily create hate speech or yell bomb, bomb, bomb on a plane. Uh, <laughs> right. so, so creating that space where Look, we're, we're saying there's no hate speech. I personally don't allow cursing when I teach because also to me, that's easy. And I wanna play to the top of our intelligence. Right. So there are some boundaries, just like relationships, just like people, right? No hitting, none of that stuff um, to help create a safe space. So improv, you know, anything goes for the most part, just like anything, but we wanna create a space where people aren't um, like I said, hate speech, putting other people down, uh, being abusive in any uh, shape or form so people can feel safe enough to really open up. So definitely want to create those boundaries. So that's a really good application in your own real life improv is, is set some boundaries and, you know, like I'm in this group and we're not going to have X, Y, or Z in this group. You know, I'm not going to shut your ideas down just because I want mine to be heard. Um, so you can do that with any group or any relationship that you want to create this improvisational spirit in, right? 
Sure. Absolutely, 100%. We, we get to create the, the, the guidelines in which we agree upon to work in this. So mm -hmm. we're not gonna shut down each other's ideas. We're gonna yes and each other's ideas. We're gonna allow your ideas to come out. And we're also gonna allow you to put down someone else. We're not gonna allow you to verbally abuse a person or a group of people. That's it's not okay. Um, right. So you can create those guidelines. So how can you bring the fundamental collaboration values to whatever setting you're in, whatever relationship that you're in? Um, you know, short of going to improv class and getting really, you know, great at it, mastering it, how can you start to incorporate this into your daily life? Yeah, so I think, like we were mentioning earlier, some of the tenets of improv, right? So identifying the idea of yes and. So when you're in the middle of a conversation, you could try to be more purposeful about it. It's like, how do I accept, like, how do I really hear what this person is saying, right? How do, how do I hear their reality? And then how do I build off of it, right? And the more that I can show, the more that I understand and hear their, their yes, the more uh, connected my and will be. So you, we could do this in group settings, we can do this in environments. And what I often do is, I when I, when I work with teams, is I often have them do improv exercises. Now this improv is for me when I work with teams, a tool. And this tool is meant to help them experience what it is that we're talking about and then develop a deeper understanding of the concept such as yes and. So we could try a couple of little games of, of even just saying, going off of each other and just being ridiculous. I really like cherries. Yes, and cherries are so much fun on whipped cream. Yes, and whipped cream is like one of the best things to put on pumpkin pie and pumpkin and so on and so forth. So you can even wait, wait. just do that with people, with some friends and be silly about it. Um, and you can also then bring it into collabor collaborative spaces and practice that as well. Teddy, what are your experiences with using improv uh, in relationships and business and those types of scenarios? And how can we start to incorporate that? I would say that there are certain dynamics that are inherent to the improvisational uh, way of thinking about things. And I, I really liked your point, Michael, about the boundaries, because a lot of people seem to have this, this notion that they don't want to put up boundaries because it's going to exclude people. They don't want anyone to feel left out. They don't want to hurt their feelings. So they don't want to put up boundaries because they don't want to be exclusionary. When in fact, what boundaries do is they are more inclusionary. You know, within this space, it's going to be safe to be yourself. You know, within this space, it's going to be okay to make some mistakes. So in a, in a business environment, in an office environment, there's going to be certain people that you're not going to take your crazy outlandish ideas to straight off the bat. You're going to get a little support for them first. Who are the people in the office that you will go to for the support? That's inclusionary. Um, in a relationship, you know, in a, a marital or familial or a friendship kind of relationship, you know the people that you feel safe to be yourself with, and so you include them into your realm, into your world. And then the people that, you know, they're, they're going to be secondary. You're going to wait till you've got the confidence built up a little bit more. So giving yourself these opportunities to recognize in your workplace, in your play place, in your home place, and wherever the place may be, who do you already have available to you who's going to offer that, that safe, supportive environment for you to broaden, to build your confidence, to get bigger and stronger, more of the yes and, more of the yes and, and find that you can access your creativity and your connectiveness in whatever environment that you're in. When, when we're with this improv, we can use this as a way to kind of self-reflect of, am I being supportive to this person? Am I yes anding their ideas? Am I am I feeling comfortable to speak out, speak up, to share my point of view, to be spontaneous? And I think these are great things that can help us kind of gauge what's also going on in this moment, and then try to think about okay, how can we do more of that? How can we have more of a yes and dialogue? And sometimes mm -hmm. it's just speaking to it as well, and then trusting that maybe those are the things when we feel we're missing those things and we speak to it, that that might be what this moment needs is just someone speaking to it and then we can kind of go off from there. So, yeah. So you're saying creating the safe space for them too. It's not just about recognizing who do you feel safe with, but who are you actively mindfully 
creating that safe space for? Yeah, so am I creating the space safe space for them? Do I feel safe? Does the rest of the group feel safe? And these are tools that can help us kind of be aware of that. Sure, sure. I actually have a question for you, uh, Michael. If you uh, can you know, improvise the answer for this, do you have any uh, suggestions for simple, easy, you know, a lot of people are still in quarantine, so they're not going to be going to an improv class. Some people are more introverted and they don't want to. Um, are there any tools, games, exercises that you would say, even if you're just doing this yourself, even if you're only doing this with your partner, even if you're even if you're just incorporating you and the kids, what are some games or some ideas that people can do in a less structured environment? What's immediately available? The first thing that comes to mind is um, like uh, basically like one sentence story. So just telling a story and there's a really simple format uh, that people can use to help guide them. So it's, a, it's a, a simpler version of the hero's journey. So once upon a time, there's a, a person in a setting and they have an everyday life, something different happens because of, those, because of that thing that changed. Uh, what are the events that happened? You have a climax and then you figure it out at the end. So one of the things we can do is in our own heads is create those stories. Just having, just going off of a simple concept of once upon a time, there was a woman who lived in a shoe and every day she would go outside and sing to the animals until one day all the animals were gone. Because of that, she started feeling fearful about the environment. Because of that, she went out and explored what was happening. And because of that, she found out that they were actually gathered around a big campfire and were making delicious soup. And ever since then, she was able to meet with these creatures and create family dinners together. Mm. It, that's it. Like, it's just as simple, like allowing your mind just to go and play and just, just explore this potential of a story. There's no right. There's no wrong. Right. It so, just is. And maybe, so you can create that with yourself. Uh -huh. You can create that with yourself. And if you're working with someone, you can go one sentence at a time. The other person can say the sentence and you go back and forth. Okay. I think that's a simple, easy, fun way to practice. Love it. I'm imagining how fun that would be on a road trip. You know, yeah. whoever else is yeah. in the car, just, just picking one of the stimuli that you're passing on the road and let that be the beginning of a story and then take turns one sentence at a time and elaborating on, on the story and making it silly and fun. Good distraction. Totally. Hmm. That's fun. Easy. And you're practicing being more resilient when changes come up and when things, you know, don't go as planned. Right. So instead of my normal final thoughts question that I always kick out at the end of the podcast, Michael, Teddy knows this. Why don't we improvise final thoughts and I'm gonna leave it to you to kind of give us a suggestion on how to do that. Okay. Um, so what we can do, a little haiku game. Oh gosh. So, yeah, so how that works is each one of us goes and we have a sentence. And the first sentence is only five syllables. Then the next sentence will be five syllables. The next sentence will be syllables. And then the final sentence will be five syllables. And we'll try to make a point in each one of those. And then we'll do like a couple of rounds of it. Okay. We, we'll probably get it like, you know, perfect landing, you know, not a 10 out of 10 out of 10 Olympics, but it's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. Teddy, you down? I am down. I am down. <laughs> Give it a go. Okay. Uh, shall I start? Sure. Today, we improv. The final thoughts for you are as follows. Take it, Michael. We will support you. In a safe place and. Um, allow for the possibility. To be who you Improv creates a community and allows neuroplasticity.
plasticity. No. <laughs> or brain to be fun. And very playful all the time. I love it. Yay. And see. <laughs> and see. Thank well, you, Michael. That was so fun. Yeah. That was Thank great. You. Great, great. You know, I love this. This is such a fun concept and, and we've had a great time with you, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Teddy, as always, thank you for, for everything. I feel really funny not saying final thoughts, but <laughs> do you want to say final thoughts? Might... Will it make you happy? It's all good. <laughs> yes. Let's improvise I'm this. Kat, it, so. <laughs> what are your final thoughts, Kat? <laughs> uh, you know, my final thoughts are I really want to incorporate this in so many ways in my life. I see this. It, it's, I mean, I feel very natural in this situation, right? Mm. And I want to bring it. I want to really bring it to my teams, to my personal relationships, to my friends and to the world. If we said more yes and out there, could you imagine what a debate would be like? Yes and? <laughs> yes That would and. be amazing. Perfect opposite of yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. So yeah, I'm going to bring it. Thank you, Michael, for inspiring myself and everyone else out there. And thank you, Teddy, for your wisdom as always. The wise woman, Teddy Rockland. And our <laughs> listeners, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here without you guys. So thanks for joining us for Higher State of Being, higherstateofbeing.com. All of our meditations, all of our podcasts are there. Everything's you know up there from season one. So go check it out if you haven't followed us all along some good stuff this is just one really good episode but michael thanks for bringing it and we'll talk to you guys soon thank you so much cat and teddy this was awesome this was fun i really appreciate it so mm -hmm. thank you for providing the space for me to feel safe enough and be playful enough in it so thank you right on right on thank you for listening to higher state of being we invite you to visit higherstateofbeing.com and become part of our community here you will find the guided meditations and resources to help you on your journey. Subscribe and get full access to all downloadable meditations, deeper resources, and much more. Visit higherstateofbeing.com.